Well, hello, my friends and fellow daemons, and welcome to another episode of Daemonosophy 2.0, the only podcast fighting for liberty and the left-hand path. So I figured I'd come on here uh, for a couple of reasons. Um, one is I've, I've been meaning to try out this, this YouTube live for a while to see how it all works out. So, um, so I have an experimental motivation here. And also I note that 2018, the year is coming to a close. And so, um, with that in mind, this would be a good opportunity to stop and reflect on how this year has gone in terms of the show here. Um, and as I look at, um, oh, I want to make a couple of announcements first. Um, I wanted to let everyone know that I'll be speaking in Portland again this year at another uh, occult left-hand path type conference. It's called Black Flame PDX, and this is April 26th through the 28th, um, and you can find information on this and get tickets by going to blackflamepdx.org. This is being put on by uh, some of the same people that put on the one last year, and they're going to have a lot of great speakers this year. My friend uh, Toby Chapel will be uh, speaking there. Um, also, uh, Jessica Hall, who made the film about um, our friend um, uh, Jason Kirby, who we've had on the show before, who's a great uh, friend and fellow um, traveler of the left-hand path who passed away last year. Um, and also, there's a, there's a number of uh, speakers on there. You go, go check it out online and, and you'll see, but it's uh, some, uh, uh, a number of OTO and uh, AA and, and Alistair Crowley um, experts that will be there. So um, it should be very interesting. I'm really excited about it. Um, hosting it this year, which means I'll be giving an opening thing and, and uh, you know, introducing some of the speakers. So I'm really excited and honored about that. And also, um, I think soon we're going to have uh, Season Cole and Frater Dikas, uh, who are involved with putting the whole thing together, coming on the show soon here to talk about that. So I look forward to that and stay tuned and check it out if you possibly can. So I want to talk about the year in review. I look back on the statistics of, of how the show has gone, and, and this is all from SoundCloud. So in case you don't know, SoundCloud, SoundCloud is what I use as the basis for a lot of the uh, podcasts being put out there. And so from SoundCloud, it travels to other um, avenues like iTunes and, and Spotify and other streaming services, Stitcher, 
Um, and then YouTube is kind of separate. I put in YouTube as like kind of a separate thing on it. But um, the, the, where I get the most statistics from as far as who's checking out the show and how the show is doing, I get from SoundCloud. So I figured I would share some of that information with you. Uh, the top three episodes for 2018 are, drum roll, Number three is D Sharp and the End Time Illusion, which was a great episode. I loved it. D Sharp, a good friend of mine. He uh, plays in the band End Time Illusion. He's an amazing guitar player. I consider him on the forefront of, uh, if you can call steady and metal, if you can call that a genre, if there's such a thing as that then he's at the forefront of it and he's putting out music at an incredibly high caliber. So not surprised at all uh, to see his, his uh, episode doing so well. Number two was Diabolos Rex, uh, episode 22, which again was an excellent uh, interview. I'm not surprised at all that that's number two. Um, Diabolos is, is an intense artist with some dynamic ideas. And then of course, if you listen to the episode, you know, the whole uh, story about how I met him had to do with, um, I was at the Black Flame PDX Festival last year and I ran into him at uh, the, the Lovecraft's bar there. And uh, I recognized him from seeing him around in media. And so we started having a conversation and had a great conversation and decided to carry that on. And also, that reminds me that um, Diabolos will also be speaking at the Black Flame PDX event this year. So if you make it out there this coming April, you'll get to see him as well. Um, I, I, and he, he, he's confirmed on the, on the website is speaking there. So I don't know a lot of other details, but we'll see. Uh, perhaps I can get him uh, to make another appearance back on the show. Um, before it all goes down. So number one episode for the year was um, Michael Aquino and the Satanic Bible, which um, again, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that any three of these um, were the most popular episodes of the year. These three um, are probably my favorite episodes of the year in terms of how well they came out in terms of the caliber of the discussions that took place in it. Um, certainly uh, Dr. Aquino's interview um, about his satanic Bible and revision stirred lots of controversy. Um, there, there's, there's also lots of uh, favorable uh, feedback as well. Um, but of course, uh, you know, feedback uh, all, all along um, the continuum on there. And a lot of the, the negative feedback, uh, it's, it's very, it's, it's really disappointing when you consider that, um, you know, Dr. Aquino spent so much time actually defending that organization um, and actually defending the, the left-hand path in general for um, all of us during this horrible time of the satanic panic when he could have easily, um, you know, thrown... Anton LaVey under the bus at that point, but, but he didn't. So um, I consider it quite an, an achievement on his behalf 
um, just in general, all the, the work that he's done, but especially that he came forth and uh, created this book, which um, I think expands and enhances so greatly all of these fundamental left-hand path ideas that Anton LaVey um, took his own risks and put it on the line for back in 1966. So, top countries. Where are people listening to the podcast? Number three, United Kingdom. Number two, Canada. And number one, the good old US of A. So not a lot of surprises there. There's been times throughout the year, um, you know, or the first, first quarter of, of 2018, Lithuania was the top country. Um, and then um, at, at one point we saw Pol Poland was up there for a while. So it's interesting, we get a lot of, uh, there's a lot of Eastern European, Central European interest in the show, um, which um, that also doesn't surprise me. And, uh, and I think that's cool. I've met lots over the last couple of years, I met lots of um, left-hand path initiates and seekers who hail from Central Europe, who are all very good people, very smart people, and have a lot to uh, contribute to the international left-hand path movement. And so the top cities, um, we got St. John's, Canada, which um, I don't know where that's at. We'll have to, I'll have to look that up sometime uh, to Canada, but I know Canada is a big place. Um, we have Seattle, Washington, which that's, that's interesting. Um, that's close to Portland, so Northwest. So that, yeah, I can see that. That's cool. Um, and then number one, the number one city where people are listening to Damonosophy 2.0 in all of the big, vast multiverse is Ashburn, Virginia. And hey, that's cool. Hey, uh, salut, Ashburn, Virginia. Um, I'm not sure who um, I know there personally, but I know there's some good people in that in that part of, of the country. So, so that is all much appreciated. Uh, friends and fellow Damons, keep on listening to it. So where are people listening to it? out on the third party apps. So this is interesting. So websites, number three uh, websites where people are streaming and are finding Damonosophy 2.0 are uh, Cloud Boost, I'm not sure what that means. Uh, Google.com, which I, I guess they search it and find it that way. And then number one, Number one is Facebook. Can you believe that? So another thing that happened in 2018 is I quit Facebook. Pretty sure it's, I'm pretty sure it's 2018, earlier in 2018, I quit Facebook. And I quit Facebook because it was just so fucking stupid. I just couldn't deal with it anymore. I mean, I had like, I picked up, you know, I like a lot of people my age, so I, I started, uh, I got on Facebook initially when I was doing 
my band Asmodeus X, really hardcore. And, you know, you know, MySpace, there was a time when MySpace, that was the main social network and that's where you promoted the band and everything was in that. And so then when Facebook came out, okay, it's a new social network type thing. Hey, this is a great, uh, a new opportunity to promote my band. So I joined it with really that sole intention. That's the only reason I ever became involved with, with Facebook. And then what happened was, um, so then initially I picked up all the people in the, you know, Gothic industrial scene and, and people in the, in the scene in, in Houston where I live, uh, fans of Asmodeus X, I'm the haters of Asmodeus X. And then the next thing that happened was um, all of a sudden people I knew from um, high school and college started finding me. Oh, okay, well, this is a different demographic. And then the next thing that happened you know, a couple of years later, all the people who I knew from various left-hand path movements started to join. And I had always, from the very beginning, since I joined Facebook um, for the purposes of, of the band, I always had my, um, my stage name on there. So I, like some people had problems with people from their, um, from their from their work and their day jobs coming on on the Facebook and, and just no no one I don't think anyone has had anything but trouble as a result of that. But all of this is to say that Facebook just turned into a big mishmash of different people. That um, as I started to do this podcast more and more and promote that, I would just I would get basically trolls uh, from people who um, who I considered friends and allies, but who since they're from a different headspace than where, I, where I'm coming from with the podcast, didn't really get what I was doing and felt um, obligated or entitled to share their opinions on it. So, so that was a problem. Also, all of the ridiculous data collection stuff that Facebook is, is, is going through. So you know, a friend of mine pointed out recently uh, about being shocked and disgusted at the, the, the Chinese social network um, site where they have implemented a social ranking system. So your behavior on your social network, you get a ranking for it. And this ranking goes into a government database. So eventually this is used for government favors, government persecutions, all kinds of things that can use this for. And when you see that, you realize that, that Facebook is just like one step away from that. I mean, already we know that if uh, you know NSA or the, any anyone in the government or law enforcement wants to know anything about anyone on Facebook, they just get that information immediately and tra trace back everything. And th the other thing that I just couldn't get past with Facebook is, is is Zuckerberg. The fact that this guy comes on and this guy is just he's an idiot kid, collect and a total collectivist, one hundred percent collectivist. And his collectivist ideology goes into the design of Facebook. And it makes people afraid to go off and do things on their own and to have independent ideas and independent thoughts. If you do this, then you get uh, punished and chastised by, by the community for it. You know, you're shaming, you know, um, and, and, and people use this, you know, the social justice warrior people use all of this. So um, this is probably more information than you really needed to hear to understand why I think it's ironic that Facebook is the top website where people are 
listening to Damonosophy 2.0 because I do not post anything there. I have no, um, I have no um, profiles on it anymore. I went through the, the full process of deleting it. Like some people, you just, you do a short delete on it. What that means is your, your profile is basically in a hibernation status until you log back onto Facebook and then they reactivate it. And then they can still, and still the government, NSA can come in and, and, and collect all your data. They have access to your data while you don't. But then there's the extra step, we have some extra steps you go to for deleting your uh, Facebook account that just completely wipes it uh, supposedly, uh, presumably, I hope that's what it does. I believe that. I choose to believe that that's what it does. It completely wipes you out of it. And I, I attempted to do that. So um, if we're on, if, if D2 showing up on Facebook, that is because of all of the really cool fans, supporters, and daemons that we have out there that are going on and, and posting it out there. And I want to tell all of you that I appreciate that so much. I mean, for the risk that you're taking, because I consider anyone who's on Facebook is taking a huge risk. You're at any moment, you're, you can go the, the Winston Smith you know, direction with things. Um, and any of us can, but Facebook is especially huge risk. And how much I appreciate the people out there um, that are joining me in the fight for liberty and the left-hand path by going that distance and, and, and getting our voices out there in, in, that, um, in that frightening mechanicalist collectivist morass known as Facebook. Okay, so that's enough about Facebook. Let's talk about RSS apps. RSS apps. So, I mean, I'm not sure what all that encompasses, but our top three are, okay, Apple Core Media iPad. Number two is iTunes. And number three is, or number, number one is Apple Core Media iPhone. So I guess this indicates what device, like uh, iPad versus iPhone. And I guess iTunes, that means you just listen to iTunes on your, on, on your computer. I guess that's what that means. So um, it's, it's fun sharing technical information with you all that I don't really understand myself. But what it does tell me is that um, we're out there making a difference and things are happening. Um, for the year, total plays like just on SoundCloud are uh, 19,000 plays, which I know for a lot of podcasters out there, that sounds like child's play. Um, but for, for us, considering how long we've been doing this and considering the uh, content and our theme is rather exclusive and not surprisingly will not appeal to the majority and the common man as much. I, I feel this is uh, quite moving and I'm happy with it and I'm glad to see it continually raising over the year. As I look on the months over um, 2018, the biggest month for us was October. In the month of October, we had 2.5 thousand 
streams in that month alone. And that, by the way, this streaming data, that's only for SoundCloud. This number of streams on here does not include all of the third-party apps and RSS feeds and YouTube and all the other different places that the podcast appears outside of SoundCloud. That's just on SoundCloud alone. So I want to thank everyone, um, all of our, my loyal fans and listeners and fellow Damons for supporting the show and tuning into it and keep on doing it and keep on sending me feedback to www. Uh, I'm sorry, to uh, Damonosophy at gmail.com. I've been getting more and more good feedback from people. And, and this is great because this is help. This is providing me with content and, and, and providing you with content that you want to hear about. So keep doing that. Let's keep that exchange going. Remember, exchange is not the same as collectivism and obedience. Remember that. Left-hand path and initiation and growth as an individual requires exchange with others. You must exchange ideas with others. You must exchange resources with others. That's part of it. That's how you learn and grow as an individual. That's how you gain new skills. You gain new knowledge. That's how you gain new value. So exchange is critical. And it's not the same as collectivism. When you hear me criticizing collectivism and, and groupthink, I'm not criticizing exchange. It's not the same thing as, as obedience, as conforming, as an individual, as you accomplish things, as you become something greater. You should want to reach out to share that. And also as you become aware of your own own shortcomings, your own inadequacies. And you see others who, who have gone before and know more. The only way that you can gain yourself is by reaching out and having that exchange. It is only by rubbing against the, the, the grain of the objective universe that the internal subjective universe starts to grow and come into being. This idea that no man is an island you know, collectivists like to say this when you talk about individuality. They say, well, no man is an island. Well, no, I, I know that no man is an island. I never said we're islands. I said we're individuals. That means each of us occupies their own unique time and space in the universe. And that cannot be changed. You cannot occupy the same time and space as another self-aware individual. This is why Aleister Crowley used the metaphor of stars. Every man and every woman is a star. See, no star can superimpose itself completely on another star. Everything is like separate. And this is the perfect way of understanding how human consciousness operates and exists. So, With those brief thoughts, I'm going to conclude this. And I hope that all of you had a happy and wonderful holiday season, um, a Merry Christmas. I have no problem saying Merry Christmas. 
Um, I'm not threatened by what the Jesus people think about it or the fact that, you know, well, it used to be like Saturnalia. It used to be a different Roman holiday and, 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 and all of that stuff. And for me, I mean, honestly, our modern conception of Christmas is more influenced by, by capitalism. And, and I mean that as a pos- in a positive light. I mean, that's what redeems, in my mind, Macy's and Saks Fifth Avenue and capitalism and the desire to get things and give gifts to other people and stimulate the economy. Uh, to me, that redeems Christmas from uh, the, the Jesus freaks who, I don't know what they think, we should just go to church or something and, and, and feel bad. Um, but, you know, whatever you call it, ho- happy holidays, whatever. I hope it was wonderful for all of you. We're still kind of in the feel of it. Um, and, and, and we got the new year coming up. So um, with all that being said, I want to wish everyone out there a, a wonderful, happy new year. And whatever you do, as the new year comes upon us, always remember, oh, Blood Raven, what's up? Good to see you. Blood Raven said, yo, yo to you, Blood Raven. Um, was too <laughs> that's awesome so what what time zone are you in oh, okay east right on well blood raven um i'll extend this to your benefit if you have any questions or comments or anything you'd like to talk about you can go ahead and shoot it shoot it at me and I'll, I'll i'll give it to you man i'll give it to you straight Are we slaves? That's such a good question. So first let's say we are designed not to be slaves. We're not supposed to be slaves. We're designed to be completely free individuals. Absolutely, 100%. So this goes back to the question of the, the fundamental nature of man. What is man as, as, as human beings come into the world, are they fundamentally good or are they fundamentally bad, to put it simple? And for the most part, um, uh, you know, monotheism and, and um, collectivism and uh, Platonism, Marxism, all these different ideologies pose that man is evil. Man comes into the world fundamentally evil. St. Augustine, the early church fathers, encapsulated this with the doctrine of original sin, with his reinterpretation of the myth of the Garden of Eden, by saying that um, because of that original sin of uh, 
Adam and Eve eating the apple and having sex and, and doubting or eating the tree of knowledge and doubting God that they created uh, original sin. And so since we are born from them, all humans are born evil in the world. And so all that we can do is seek to have redemption from a higher authority. So that higher authority changes throughout time with the movements. For a long time, it was the Catholic Church. Um, hu humanism and, and scientific humanism even like created their own version of this through evolutionary theory, where they say that, well, evolutionarily, we're really, we're descended from uh, violent apes and, and tribalistic society. And so if we didn't have something to, to manage us and keep us in line, then we'd just all kill each other. We couldn't possibly get along with each other. So the alternative view of this, which it comes from a lot of different things, but for the sake of brevity, I'm going to say with, with the left-hand path, and, and you can go back to like Anton LaVey on this, is clearly um, his idea, his vision of man is that man is fundamentally good. And, and he represents this when he talks about man is just another animal, sometimes better, but more often wor worse because of his upbringing. In other words, man becomes uh, a vicious animal, becomes bad, not because he's born that way, but because of his training, his indoctrination into society. And there's a lot of other theor theorists who've like said this also. Uh, John Locke is one. Um, Ayn Rand is another. Um, and there's, there's many others who have like this idea that man is a fundamentally good being. Uh, Zarathustra is another one. This is the basis of Zoroastrianism. Every individual comes into the world good. They come into the world wanting to fight against evil. So that's the first thing about our, we're whether we're slaves is we're not supposed to be slaves. The second question is, uh, picked up revolt against the modern world. Oh, that's interesting. I haven't read that. Who wrote that? We'll see if we we'll see if uh, we can find out who wrote that. But as far as the question of whether we are uh, Evola, that's it. Yeah, Evola. Yeah, um, I read some of his. Uh, what is it? The ti Ride the Tiger, I think. Um, but yeah, Evola. Evola is an interesting character. It's hard to nail him down, but within. Um, within all, because he lived, one thing is he lived in very turbulent times, uh, very tumultuous times. Um, but there's a lot of good ideas in Ebola. I definitely highly recommend it. So whether we're currently slaves, I'll, uh, I'll respond to that. So, I, I mean, we say that we have abolished slavery in, in, in the West, although in American society, we continually uh, are continually punishing ourselves and each other for the, the past crimes of slavery, even though slavery still continues officially in most of the world and in, in many parts of uh, Southeast Asia and in the Middle East, slavery is still just openly practiced um, and it's no problem at all. But for some reason, the social justice elements in, in, in the West are deciding to focus on really what is the most free society in the world um, rather than on the parts of the world where they still practice slavery outright. Now, as far as like, but then I'll go back and I'll say, um, when I'll, I'll qualify that the idea that the West is there, that the West is the most free area, well, that it was the most free area, but that is like quickly dwindling by really almost any criteria 
economic or the amount of laws on the books or the size of government by almost any criteria like that, clearly freedom is dwindling. So it comes down to this. If you say that like, um, you know, 20% of your income is taken by the government, then how free are you? So, and, and I'm just pulling 25% out of the year because I can usually put it into quarters. So what that means is they take a little bit out of every paycheck and they take a little bit out of every transaction and they take a little bit out of your property, ta property tax and so on and so forth. Um, so it isn't as easy for you to see it. But really what they could do is say for um, eight months out of the year, you work and you keep all of your money. But then for four months out of the year, you work all of your money goes to the government. If that was the case, if it was divided like that, then probably everyone would realize, oh, we're still slaves. If I have to come back and work, if everything goes to the master, to central authority for four months out of the year, then clearly we're still slaves and we're just allowed some free range status throughout most of the year. So mathematically, though, this is the same thing. It's the same amount of money does, does go to the government, 25%. They just like split it up gradually over time. So this is why um, I've heard other people, and I, 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 I believe uh, that it's accurate to say that we're essentially, uh, we're free range. Uh, we live under a system of free range slavery uh, because we have no choice in the matter about um, whether we pay taxes and whether the, the laws are actually there. So a lot of people like to go back to social contract theory and say that we willfully created this situation through some social contract. But the problem with social contract is that it doesn't exist um, and there's no evidence for it whatsoever. It's just a secular, it's a secular um, way of saying what monotheists call like a covenant, that we have a covenant with God. Like we made a deal with God and he made a deal with us. And that's why we're going to obey God's laws. And as humanity in, in, the, in the West, as we made this, this uh, transition from a monotheistic society to a secular society, that eventually got replaced with this idea of social contract. And I actually, I think it's uh, the French uh, writer and collectivist Rousseau and the pre-French uh, revolutionary era is the first one to talk about the social contract and then David Hume and uh, Thomas Hobbes and these other people talked about it. And so people in government use that as an excuse for like why they make law, why they have the authority to make laws. And people in secular society who don't want to face the fact of their own slavery will use this idea of the social contract so that they feel better about it. So they don't feel like they're slaves. So they feel like, oh yeah, well, I decided to do this. But I mean, you can prove it's not true. Um, like people who are, argue for the social contract will also make arguments like taxation is voluntary. Like you don't really have to pay, um, you know, your income tax. But I mean, I dare anyone to like stop paying their income tax and see what happens. What happens is eventually men come to your door and they take you away and they put you in prison. There's plenty of, uh, you know, tax protesters in prison. So that's it. So, uh, so slavery to consumerism. So I have to address that. I don't feel that we're slaves to consumerism. Um, we are, we participate in consumerism. And, and the reason is because you don't have to participate in consumerism. So you do have to work 
to get resources. And that's not a, um, that's not a law that was placed on us by central authority. That's not a law that was put on us by uh, God. Well, I don't know. You could say it's like natural law, but all for this is, this is a law of all forms of organic life. So I talked about this a while with, with, you can look at any kind of animal, but I like to look at, like, look, look at bees, but you look at any animal when they get their, the, the payment that any animal gets is basically their food or their shelter in a very simplistic form. Humans do the same thing. It's just, it's, it's more complex because we have more complex minds, but any animal, he doesn't get to eat his food or sleep in his cave until he has earned it, right? So the jaguar doesn't get to eat the wildebeest until he's spent hours working to chase, you know, track, track them down and attack them and, and then they get it. And it's like they get, basically, they get just, just what they need to survive uh, based on this. But they don't get the payment until the work is done. So what I'm saying is that is a universal law. That's not the man didn't make that up. You know, uh, central authority didn't make that up. The government didn't make up this whole thing. We have to work. Feudal lords didn't make this up. What, what it is, is it's a natural law. It's, it's how the organic world is. It's how it is. We have to work to obtain our resources. But then what has happened is... Other people have, have leveraged, um, leveraged force, leveraged coercion in order to minimize it for themselves and maximize it for others. So again, coercion is the main thing. Now, I'll also, I'll probably, we would probably agree on this. There's a lot of people are addicted to consumerism, right? A lot of people are way too controlled by what they see on the media. They're way too controlled by name brand. You know, people get addicted. There's people who are addicted to shopping and, and, and all of that stuff. But I mean, to, to, to make the case that say, you know, you know, Gucci or, or McDonald's is like, you know, controlling and forcing people. It's just, it's just not correct. No, they're not controlling their, uh, um, addict to vegan soy food. Yes. There's plenty of addicts to that. Um, but, but, but people are not, coerced into participating in any, of, in any of those things. People are not forced to participate in any of those things. What's happening is other people are, we, we, as individuals, we're all in a situation where we're trying to exchange resources and value with each other and to produce value and to gain more for ourselves. Um, and, and, and so within this whole you know, orchestra of, of people interacting, there's a possibility that everyone like everyone like moves uh, moves forward with their with their life and with their success and with their health and with their um, you know uh, with their intelligence and ideas and and everything. But the the critical thing is that it's it's free, and this is why I'm an advocate of of uh, the free market because um, I, I, we just eliminate coercion from everything. If everything was just voluntary everything would be fine, you know? So that's, that's where I stand um, with all of that stuff. So with all that, uh, thanks Blood Raven for, for bringing some extra ideas and interaction to this. I need to uh, wrap this up here. So um, 
again, I want to wish everyone a happy, awesome, wonderful, prosperous, productive, and a full of knowledge 2019. And always, always, always keep the dark fires burning. <laughs>